Thank you for joining me for Moments to Ponder Christmas. I'm Betsy Marvin, and this is Episode 6. During the reign of King Herod the Great of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also from a family of priests and was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both quite old. One day, Zechariah's priestly order was on duty, and he was serving as priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots, according to the custom of the priesthood, so the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while he is still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, Um, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself, and he has sent me to you to announce this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time, and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Meanwhile, the crowds outside kept expecting him to come out. They were amazed over Zechariah's delay, wondering what could have happened inside the sanctuary. When he finally did come out, he tried to talk, but he couldn't speak a word. 
and they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision while in the holy place. He remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple, and then went back to his own home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. With joy, she exclaimed, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and to take away the disgrace of my barrenness. Luke 1, 5 through 25. This is a pretty incredible part of the Christmas story. And although the main characters throughout history have been Mary and Jesus, this older couple draws my heart. There is so much between the lines of the miracle Luke has written about here. And I wonder, as Mary told him of her cousin, if Luke, with his doctor mind, smiled, smiling at the wonder of how God works to fulfill his words. This loving, godly couple from the priestly lines of Abijah and Aaron, had gone through the pain of infertility for years and years. As a young couple, they, like most, would have dreamed of a life that included children. Yet each month passed with a wondering and more disappointment and an empty womb. Infertility is a painful roller coaster to ride. The hope and the questions and the loss. As the years played out, the realization that they would not be parents must have grown into a deep ache in their hearts and a resignation to the life that God had given them. And now they're old. They've lived a full life of obedience and faithfulness to God and to each other. And in this time and space, God begins to put everything into motion for his son. Zechariah is chosen to enter the holy place in the temple. This is basically a once in a lifetime opportunity, offering a prayer before God at this altar. As he is lighting the incense, Gabriel just appears. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have an angel appear we know that it freaked Zachariah out. He is overwhelmed with fear. Angels always say, don't be afraid, every time they appear, so they must be quite a sight. Once he tells Zachariah why he has come, Zachariah talks back. I mean, really? He asked how he's supposed to believe this. He expresses his doubt. Here, an angel has supernaturally appeared to you, is telling you what's going to happen, and you're like, seriously? Prove it. It takes some guts to talk back to God's messenger. But it's amazing the guts we have when we're poked where we're wounded. It has to have been quite a while since Zechariah stopped praying for a child. And as he hears Gabriel's words, all the years of pain and unfulfilled hopes 
the deep ache of watching other families with their now grown children must have risen to the surface. I wonder if Zachariah's response is a gut-level reaction from the deep hurt and has brought a protective shield over his heart and that of his wife. As it sinks in, Zechariah runs out to share the wonder of what he has seen, only to find that Gabriel's sign is true. He has no voice. After all the years of waiting for a child, after the hundreds of years of waiting for the Messiah, Zechariah can tell no one. Can you imagine? The most incredible things are happening. An angel, a baby is coming, and you know it's the one that will prepare for the Messiah. And you can't say anything. Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and six months later, Gabriel is sent to speak with a young woman named Mary. Elizabeth spends the first five months in seclusion, and we get the impression that she secluded herself to worship and to wonder. They would have known the prophecies. They knew the purpose of their son. And each day as John grew within her was a day of deep wonder and joy. The one that would make the way for the Messiah was growing within her. I wonder if Zachariah would place his hand upon his wife and feel the kicks and flutters of their active boy and raise tear-filled eyes full of gratitude and wonder toward his heavenly father. When Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term, she gave birth to a son. All her family, friends, and neighbors heard about it, and they too were overjoyed, for they realized that the Lord had showered his wonderful mercy upon her. When the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all the family and friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. Everyone assumed that the parents would name the baby Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth spoke up and said no. His name is John. What? they exclaimed. No one in your family line has that name. So they gestured to the baby's father to ask what to name the child. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to the amazement of all, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and his first words were praises to the Lord. The fear of God fell on the people of their village, and the news of this astounding event traveled throughout the hill country of Judea. Everyone was in awe over it. All who heard this news were astonished and wondered. Since a miracle brought his birth, what on earth will this child become? Clearly, God's presence is upon this child in a powerful way. Zechariah went on to prophesy. And to you, I prophesy, my little son, you will be known as the prophet of the Most High. You will be a forerunner going before the face of Lord Yahweh to prepare hearts to embrace His ways. You will preach to His people the revelation of salvation, the cancellation of all of our sins, to bring us back to God. 
the splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in holy visitation, all because the merciful heart of our God is so very tender. The word from heaven will come to us with dazzling light to shine upon those who live in darkness near death's dark shadow, and he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. Luke 1, 57 through 66 and 76 through 79. How do you respond to new ideas or things you don't understand? Do you say, prove it? Give me a sign. Or do you respond with faith-filled wonder? Zachariah and Mary, both visited by Gabriel, both told of a miracle, both responding with, how can this be? Yet, Zachariah's response comes from a place of disappointment and doubt. Mary's response comes from places of wonder and awe. Their lives up until this moment have affected their responses. And so do ours. Our response to life's circumstances is often a reflection of what life has taught us. We don't touch fire because we've learned it burns. And just as being burned affects how we approach fire in the future, our inner hurts from the past affect how we approach moments of hope. Zachariah doubts. Mary wonders. This Christmas season, may you allow hope and wonder to re-enter your world. May you look with curiosity at what God is doing instead of pushing back with skepticism and doubt. Yes, we have disappointments and pain in our world, yet this story reminds us that God is still at work, even when we don't understand it. The mastery of understanding is heavy. But the mystery of curiosity is light. Be curious this Christmas. Amen.